Welcome to Podcasting with Friends Movie Edition. Today we're going to be doing a special episode focusing on horror movies, specifically horror movies of 2017. In this episode, we will briefly discuss the success of Blumhouse, the hits like Get Out and Split, before talking about the mega success of It, the controversial Mother, and we're going to run down a slew of standout indies and Netflix originals to recommend to you. First, let me introduce who I'm here with today. I'm seeing next to Derek Deal. Hello. And Brandon is in New York, live with us via Skype. Hey, guys. Uh, before we get going, I want to take a minute and talk about some of our own personal experiences with horror. To me, horror is a genre that incites intense emotions with people. Um, some people love it and some people hate it. You know, it's one of those genres where some people, like, like they really, really get into horror and other people don't want to be bothered by it at all. It's like a totally turn off for some people. I mean, for me, I've grown into loving horror like it's a safe way to experience the intense emotion of fear you know you can laugh about it when it's over instead of actually being in danger so that's that's fun that's the fun part of horror i think like what do you about what about you guys uh derek do you want to give a little background on your experience with horror movies <clears throat> yeah i mean i've always been like horror movies horror games anything scary i'm like really um I've always been very, like, I'm easily scared by them, especially, like, games and stuff. Like, there's just been games where I just stopped playing. I'm just like, I can't play anymore. Yeah. It's too scary, even if it's not that scary. Yeah. And horror movies were kind of always the same for me growing up. But ever since we did the our first horror movie month... That's I, when we would watch a horror movie every single day. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. like a challenge. Yeah, and I kind of forced myself to just watch these movies that um, I regularly didn't, you know, I usually didn't necessarily give a chance to you know sure and uh just going through and forcing myself to watch all these movies that people had recommended and i'd heard about all my life kind of opened my eyes to how much fun horror is and how unique it is and how creative it is you know when you like watch a comedy and there's not a whole lot of experiences like it when you're just like laughing so hard and there's like these things that you just remember forever because they're so funny and horror is just like that same, I get that same kind of rush from it, you know, just in the opposite way. It's like when someone does something that's truly creepy, like makes your skin crawl or like makes you close your eyes or something, yeah, yeah. even though you're completely safe from it, like what you said, it's still, it's like, I don't know, that's a cool experience to have. And and even when it doesn't, a lot of times horror movies aren't that scary, but they're just great movies Yeah. that try to scare you. And that's fine too. And I... I just have appreciation for like all of them for trying. Yeah, do, so. definitely, definitely. Uh, what about you, Brandon? Is there like a particular favorite experience with horror movies that comes to mind for you? Well, for me, I'm really bad at horror experiences by myself. Uh, like Derek said, I have to often just shut it off and wait till it's either lighter outside or there's more people in the vicinity. Here in New York, it's actually more easy than it was back home. Like growing up at my parents' house, just because I feel way more safe, just people everywhere. But one of my favorite horror movie experiences was a long time ago at the end of high school, there was a big group of friends. I think you were maybe there, Nick. Um, We got several extension cords on my parents' property who live in 10 acres of woods, and we carried a TV out to the middle of the pitch black on Halloween our like senior year 
and we uh, moved some chairs out there, and we watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre deep, deep in the woods. And that was one of the most terrifying experiences I've ever had. Like, complete blackness around you. If it wasn't for the light of the movie, you wouldn't be able to see your hand in front of your face. Kind of darkness. That was so fun. Yeah, that was that was a really good experience. That I, I remember that very well. Um, if you, if you guys don't mind, there was one other time that I wanted to talk about that came to mind when you were telling that story. Mm-hmm. I, it was the three of us, and it was again. It was like right after high school. In my like my small bedroom at my parents' house, we watched <laughs> the Exorcism of Emily Rose. I remember that. And like, like we're post high school, and I remember all three of us being like afraid to leave the room because the movie was so scary. I remember the bathroom's like five feet away. Yeah, we and like, we were like, "Don't go to the bathroom!" Like we were like scared to leave and go to the bathroom. And we, were, I remember like looking up pictures of uh, Captain the, Howdy. Yeah, Captain Howdy from The Exorcist, <laughs> and like, man, we were like just freaking ourselves out. It's like so hard. Anyway, the first topic on the agenda is Blumhouse. Um, we, we already talked about split and get out on our spring roundup episode that came out earlier this year. You can listen to it in our archives, but I still want to talk about the success that Blumhouse has cause they're having a huge year. Um, Derek, do you want to give a little bit of background on, on Blumhouse? <clears throat> sure. Yeah. They, um, so they're a little, well, they're, now they're a pretty big production company, but they specialize in low budget horror films but they but not like the traditional like low budget horror film that you can think of like like B movies yeah. a lot of them do make it to theaters most of them do and they're generally fairly well received and they tend to make a lot of money <clears throat> and by low budget i mean like uh some of them are down to like 1.5 to 3 million dollars and oftentimes they end up grossing you know 80 million um, sometimes more. That's like their average. Um, but they've made movies like Paranormal Activity was his first really big hit. Um, made like $169 million worldwide off of like a $15,000 budget. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And since then, they've had so many hits like The, the, the Purge, um, Insidious, uh, the other Paranormal Activity movies, Get Out, Split. Um, Whiplash. Oh yeah, Whiplash. Yeah. Wait, Whiplash was a Blumhouse movie. Yeah, that was a Blumhouse movie. Wow, I did not know that. They rarely take on anything that's not outside of, um, or that's outside of like sci-fi horror. Uh, I think just because horror has a pretty good turnaround, even if it turns out not the, not all that well, you know. But yeah. But yeah, just keeping that that budget low and forcing. He has like a couple rules, like no visual effects. They don't like using, uh, or no CGI. Okay. No CGI. So no, like just practical effects. Yeah, practical effects. No like expensive like giant shots and stuff. It's all about just like keeping it small, tight, and creative, and just working within those restraints. And and they've turned around some pretty good movies because of it too. Because yeah, both uh, even just this year, both Split and Get Out were huge successes and. Both were really good movies. Yeah. Me and you, we both saw Happy Death Day earlier, uh, just a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. which was another Blumhouse movie. Yeah. Which, that movie was basically like Groundhog's Day, but in a horror movie. Yeah. 
What did you think about Happy Death Day? Uh, I thought it was all right. I had, I don't know, that, the whole concept of it just, like, was so exciting to me. I think I probably hyped it up a little too much in my head. It's just like that, like that, I don't know, that just sounds like so much fun. And for the most part, the movie was actually pretty fun. Um, it didn't really, like, I didn't have a lot of negatives to say about it. But it, you know, just wasn't the most, it wasn't the strongest movie, you know. They, they definitely could have improved uh, on some aspects of it. But for the most part, it was really fun. I'm, like, I'm glad that somebody made that movie. Yeah, like I definitely wanted to see Groundhog Day. Yeah, Groundhog Day as a horror movie. movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it had like I don't know. It had like a fun story. It had a cool, uh, interesting enough character that we got to see like you know change and everything. Uh, I just think it kind of suffered from the PG thirteen rating. Yeah, so for me it was like I mean I, I remember I was driving home with my brother and he was like, so what was your favorite death? in the movie yeah. i mean she dies like 15 times yeah. so what was your favorite one and i was like uh, honestly like hardly any of them come to mind yeah. like we just saw the movie and there wasn't really like a standout one like there yeah. was she died in a car once and she, she got stabbed a bunch of times but the deaths weren't like that exciting yeah but for me what worked with the movie was the main character like yeah um that just seems to be a a, a thread mm. that goes through all these Blumhouse movies. Is that like, yeah, it was a Happy Death Day was a PG thirteen horror movie where the violence wasn't really that great, but I actually really got into the characters. Yeah, and I really got into Jessica Roth as Tree, as this girl who's repeating the day over and over again and gradually becoming a better person. Yeah, that is a really big missed opportunity in the film Happy Death Day to have the deaths be one of the most like average bland parts of it in a concept where she's going to be dying every single day and they go through that at least 15 times. I feel like that should have been such an important thing for the director to hone in on and to get right is making each one of those different, unique, scary and memorable. It definitely should have been like a big, really big brainstorming session with like all these really yeah they should have had a giant whiteboard (laughs) and they should have just kept upping the game for every single one of those deaths until they had something extravagant each time yeah Yeah. i kind of think though that was the limitations of it being a pg-13 movie though and that like if it was r-rated you could have like you know saw-esque like deaths where blood is flying everywhere and it's like elaborate contraptions or whatever but it being PG-13, it's like they can't make the deaths too violent or bloody just because of the rating. Yeah. Yeah, that's too bad. And I know, but like, like I'm telling you, though, like the movie kind of balanced on the other hand where like there were parts that that got me. Like I was talking about before, like there were parts where like I verbally shouted something at the screen or like like she came back to life when when we thought it was over and i was like what happened like how did she die you know like why is she still doing this you know and like because i was invested in the character i was still being got you know what i'm saying yeah that just reminded me of i did actually bloomhouse with jason bloom was just on the nerdist podcast oh yeah and he did mention his one thing he likes to to before like a movie gets uh you know finished he likes to 
he said like his his requirement is that the movie needs to be able to work as a drama without the uh without the horror elements or supernatural elements oh yeah um as much as it works with them that's a sign that you got a good horror film on your hands if the drama can hold up on its own without that then and i think that movie did like the relationships and everything could be like that's awesome i love that i love that mindset that's that's really really cool and i think this movie is a really good representation of blumhouse and the statistics that they get out of their box office because this movie wasn't like a smash hit um like split and get out were earlier this year it made a a decent but not crazy big 43 million dollars when you compare that to its production budget, which was $4.8 million. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, like a, they, that's huge. They knocked it out of the park. That's huge gains yeah. for them. Yeah. Um, even though, like, not that many people are talking about it and it won't be remembered for very long, they still just made an incredible profit off of this, yeah. this film. Yeah, for sure. That's gigantic. Okay, so um, moving on... Uh, I think it'd be remiss if we were to not talk about the biggest financial success of a horror movie in many years. Um, it, based on the Stephen King novel, um, remade from the 1991 miniseries starring Tim Curry, It, The Dancing Clown, Pennywise. Um, huge, huge financial success this year. To date, it has made $321 million, um, breaking tons of records. Basically, like, why do you guys think it was so successful? Um, I, I know, Derek, you've seen it. Brandon, have you seen it? No, I have not seen it yet. Okay, so why do you think it was so successful? I think it was successful um, because of the clowns. Um, I think scary clowns has been really popular in America for the last 10 years. Um, People joke about it all the time. It's a common thing everyone talks about, and it hasn't been seen in movie form for a very long time. And I think people just wanted to go with their friends and wanted to have that um, group horror experience, and they all kind of converged on it together to go see it. Yeah, I think you are definitely onto something with the with the clowns. I mean, there were, you know, I feel like for the last year, year and a half, there have been sightings of people just dressing up as clowns and scaring people in the woods and doing those kind of things. Yeah, clowns being scary and not funny has been like a really popular concept for a while now. Definitely. People that were able to go see this movie is rated R movie, so 18 and older. All of them grew up knowing, like, the Tim Curry it. Yeah. Whether it be from, like, family members or, like, them actually seeing it when they were younger or, or not seeing it when they were younger because it was, like, a scary clown, you know? Yeah. And now, like, it being remade and revamped for, like, their generation, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there was just that nostalgic pull on top of uh, things like, stranger things and stuff yeah like bringing uh that stephen king like horror uh like creativeness to like the front and center again like it's kind of it's it's on like an upswing right now like it's just becoming a really popular it's fun to like make in 2017 it's fun to make 
like stories and stuff that take place back then it's like i don't know whether it's just because that's like our age or what it's just like for whatever reason because this was updated too right like it didn't the book and the old tv show didn't take place in the 80s right yeah but this does yeah the book was so the book goes back and forth from when the characters were kids and when the characters are adults yeah and the book it's the 50s and the 80s oh okay the older generation is in the 80s mm -hmm. though yeah, the, the adults are in the 80s, right. and the kids are in the 50s. Yeah. And so the movie, um, they made it so that, yeah, they updated it so that the kids are in the 80s, and then when they make a sequel, which they've already announced, yeah. it will be modern times. Yeah. So the adults will be you know, 2016, 2017, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Are you guys ready for the clown cinematic universe? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because yeah. we know they're not going to stop after two. Yeah, I mean, you joke about that, but exactly, it's like, like it was such a success. Like, can they only make two it movies? <laughs> because there really should only be two movies. Because I mean, that's how the book was set up, and that's how, that's that would tell the whole story. But you know, uh, I'd have a lot of respect for them if they did just they just did two, and they're just like, all right. What's next? Like, let's go make yeah. something else. I mean, there's so many Stephen King books. Like, they could easily make, not easily, but like, pretty much all. I mean, there's already been a lot of Stephen King movies, but a lot of them are really bad. So they could easily go back and remake some of these other ones that people nebulously know about, but maybe not are super into. I mean, Children of the Corn. That's one that's like pretty cheesy, but like, the concept could be updated. Um, the stand. Cujo. Yeah, Cujo. I mean, killer dog. I mean, I don't know how well that would. That seems to me be more of a Netflix, Netflix original one. But, um, I mean, the stand is an epic. Like that would be an epic movie. Like they could go in and make, make more of these. I don't know. Part of me thinks that they're going to make like a Pennywise origin story, and it'll be <laughs> weird. For sure. Well, in the meantime, we can be excited for the sequel, but uh, it's definitely, like, I know we mentioned this, I think, on our last podcast, but just, like, besides its, its success, which is really exciting for a, horror, for a horror movie to do that, I know I had, like, that. that's probably one of my favorite movie-going experiences of the year, too. Go and see it? Yeah. It was just, like, having the pack, like, a completely sold-out theater. Yeah. And, like super loud booming movie and yeah and like i want to reiterate like it was it was a pretty good movie yeah. like the the first one the made for tv original one that people talk about with tim curry tim curry was great in it but that movie was not good it was a very poor movie and this movie was very competent you know, it yeah. was a very like especially the beginning of it like there were a few fear a few scares in the yeah. beginning like when they first see him through the drain pipe and then when they see him through the projector and he starts coming out of the projector and they have to open up the garage. Like, yeah. those type of things were real good scares. Yeah. Um, my only problem with the movie is that they it kind of became less scary as it went along. Yeah. But um, that was almost purposeful because yeah. the kids were kind of becoming less scared of the clown. Right. So, I don't know. It's one of those things where that's just how the movie was set up. Yeah. That's the weird thing about horror movies. It's like, when that happens, it's not always a bad thing. Yeah. 
But depending on how, on your perception of horror movies, sometimes it is. Yes. Like, I know people that are like, well, that's why it's a bad horror movie, because it got less scary as it went on and stuff. But you were scared in the beginning of it. Right. So, you know. <laughs> right. And, like, for me, I prefer just the good... I prefer the good movie. Yeah. And, like, when they're able to be scary, that's great. But I don't... Usually it doesn't affect my enjoyment of the movie if they get less scary. Sometimes it actually makes it better for me, but that's just my own personal preference because i get scared really easily <laughs> okay so i kind of feel like we should move on from it um i think another horror movie that came out in september that was very dev- divisive was mother darren aronofsky directed it um it came out paramount produced it and put it out um and it straight up bombed like it got an f uh, cinema score um, which is a rating for people who see movies uh, the first weekend when it comes out, the first night it comes out um, so audiences did not like it um, and it got a very mixed critical response um, I personally loved it but there's a lot to discuss without it so it's going to be hard for us to discuss Mother without going through spoilers but we're going to do our best Brandon, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I I loved Mother as well. Um, I thought this film was like brilliant. And after coming off of Noah, I'm so glad Darren Aronofsky is completely back on his game. Um, this film was so well crafted and well put together, like completely visually stunning. And even as the movie was picking up and spiraling into chaos, while most people were really turned off by the direction and the um, story that it was telling in the last 30 minutes of the film. With Darren Onofsky behind the camera and the amount of perfection he put in the visuals during that chaos, I think completely like mesmerized me and carried it all the way through to the end. But it'll, it'll be one of my favorite movies of the year for sure. Yeah, man. Um, so I've, I've actually seen it twice now. Whoa, nice. Derek, have yeah, you seen it? And... No, I haven't. Man, mm. you're missing out. I know. I really want to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an experience. I mean, so I remember first of all seeing, being in the theater for it, and the the they showed the trailer for Mother, yeah. and it was so hilariously over the top. Yeah. It was like it was like words flying at the screen, like next week. And it had the in this theater. It had that the narrator guy. Like yeah. The, next week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No way. Yeah, yeah it did. I need week. to find this trailer. Because the regular trailer for it is like has that quick violin um like tremolo playing the whole way through and it's super indie and matches the tone of the movie really well. Yeah. I've got to see this ridiculous trailer. This one was like in this theater, you will never forget where you were when you saw mother. You know, just just crazy. And um so I'm so we saw Mother for the first time, and I walked out the theater, and I was like trembling, like I was like, okay, people are looking at me, like I don't really trust anyone right now. This is weird. <laughs> like real life is weird. There's so many people all around me. What's happening? And then I had to drive home, and there was traffic, and I was like, uh, the, the, we're probably getting into a car accident and die because the world's a crazy place. <laughs> Just like my perception of the world was different. You know, it was a Friday night. I got home probably around like 
I think I went to bed around 9. I was like, I don't really need to see anyone or do anything tonight. Like, I just don't really feel... I just don't really feel up to it, you know? And uh, so the first time to see Mother was, like, intense and crazy. Real, like, real, like, spine, in-the-spine horror movie feelings. Um, mm-hmm. The second time I saw it, it was much funnier. Uh, it was it was practically a comedy, and uh, in a good way. Like I I love that movie so much um, because I was able to have very intense different experiences with it, and I think that's kind of part of the point of the movie is that it's it's a very abstract movie, and you kind of take different things out of it based on your own experiences. People have argued about the, what the meaning of it is what the point of it is and i i would say that it's not clear what the point of it is a lot of the plot doesn't necessarily make sense in the real world but that's part of the point of it is that you watch it and you take bits and pieces what works for you and uh where the metaphors fit and you kind of come to your you kind of come to a conclusion and then you have a discussion about it with the other people who you saw it like like i said the first time i saw it we walked out of the theater you know shannon my fiance was like oh well that was about religion and i was like really i thought it was about uh darren arofsky's personal marriage falling apart and she was like what i didn't get that at all (laughs) you know and so we had very different experiences. We talked about it. We've, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's up for interpretation. Yeah. I mean, I think that movie has several, um, different paths going on simultaneously. Um, there's also the really clear, like environmental message in it that comes out towards the end as well. Um, but all those things can exist simultaneously and a director can put those in purposefully. I'm not a big like fan of diagnosing metaphors and symbolism in movies. I kind of, for some reason, like to take things a little more at face value. But I did really enjoy um, the exaggerated parable that this movie was played in. And I did get a lot out of that in the end. What do you guys think of uh, Paramount's like statement they released after this movie? Well, what was their statement? <laughs> Which statement was that? <laughs> well, they, they, they like, but they. I mean, I don't have it like in front of me, but they released something. Like everyone was so like after the whole cinema score thing, like started going around about like nobody liked watching the movie. They're like, hey, you know, we're trying to do. You know, everyone loves it when Netflix does stuff like this, and they release like this indie movie that's like super bizarre and stuff. Yeah. You're like, so this is just like our version of doing that. Like, we want to be able to give directors that, like, uh, that stage to do weird things like this. Yeah. Without having to rely on Netflix to do it. I think this movie is so much more harmless than I think everyone's making it out to be. As far as, like, the cinema score rating, all the response that Paramount is giving and they're asking Darren Aronofsky to give, and all the, like, controversy over how much like symbolism should be in a film before it's just a bad film um i don't know all this stuff is kind of really annoying and it's kind of frustrating to me that people aren't talking about how just like brilliantly 
well crafted and put together the movie is i don't know man like i i i see why people don't like this movie it's not like a movie that the an average movie goer would go to and just be like oh yeah like that was a fun time with the movies like it was very strange it's very out there and like like it's like it, i think it would have gone over better if it was released like in like an indie run kind of kind of way you know where it was, it was came out in your indie theaters but you know that this movie was wide released it, it played in marysville it played in everett you know it was playing at all the big theaters so you had like just regular casual movie people you know going to the movies on friday night and it let's was go see the new Jennifer Lawrence movie. Yeah, let's go see the new Jennifer Lawrence movie. <laughs> oh my God, like, it, it is it is not that movie. You know, it's not a movie for like casual people. And so, like to me, it's 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 pretty brave for Paramount to put something to put this movie out like that. And yeah, it totally bombed, but it did get people talking about it. And like for me, like for two weeks when after that movie came out, like I had I had people asking me about it, and I was. Like, part of me was, like, uh, part of me was challenging people a little bit. Like, people would ask me about it, and I would tell people, eh, I don't think you're going to like it. Like, and by and by me telling people that I didn't think that they were going to like it, that was almost like a, well, why are you saying that? Like, you don't think I'm going to like it? And then they would actually end up going to see it and um, getting a lot out of it. So, um I don't know. It's it's a very original movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, uh, you know, we've got Halloween coming up this next week. Um, we just wanted to kind of go through some of the movies that are on Netflix, some horror movies that are on Netflix that we thought that are worthwhile that maybe you could check out if, if you're trying to watch something horrible before or around Halloween. Mm-hmm. One movie that we've already talked about on our uh, spring roundup is, is Raw. Um, real quick, I'm just going to read the plot summary for you from IMDb. When a young vegetarian undergoes a carnivorous hazing ritual at a vet school, an unbitten taste for meat begins to grow in her. So that's Raw. That's currently on Netflix. Derek, Brandon, do you guys want to briefly talk about why you liked it? Yeah, I mean, to me this will be in my top ten at the end of the year. This is one of my favorite horror movies I've seen in a while. Um, it's a French cannibalism psychological movie. It's not like a cannibalism slasher murder movie. Um, so it is really in-depth and interesting and goes through what this uh, college student is experiencing really well. Yeah, it's I can't believe it's on Netflix already. I'm recommending this to everybody. They should check it out if you're a fan of horror films. Like Derek, did you like Raw? Did it get you? Yeah. I thought it was a really cute coming of age story. <laughs> um, no, is yeah, no, it it like your your definition of like getting me. It definitely that definitely happened in at least two scenes in that movie. It definitely has like uh, some of the gore is pretty nasty, and <laughs> some of the it's definitely like satisfying for for a horror fan, even if you're not into like uh, movies that get super arty. I think it still has a lot to offer, uh, but also like as a cinephile, like it's you can appreciate like the craft in it a lot too. Yeah, it's very beautiful, very well made. Great. So yeah, that's on Netflix. Um, 
Another movie I want to talk about is called uh, Gerald's Game. It's based on the Stephen King novella. So it's another Stephen King movie. Um, reading the plot summary from IMDb. While trying to spice up their marriage in their remote lake house, Jessie must fight to survive when her husband dies unexpectedly, leaving her handcuffed to the bed frame. So neither of you guys have seen this movie, right? No. Uh, I'll be watching it really soon, though. Is this produced by Netflix? Yeah. Ooh. Okay. So, um, for me, I I definitely did enjoy this movie. Um, it kind of is in the same realm of Misery, where I don't know if you guys if you guys have seen Misery, but it's the same kind of thing. Except, you know, she, this girl Jessie is handcuffed to the bed and she can't get off. Yeah. So she's trapped onto the bed. Yeah. A lot of the movie, you're questioning. I don't want to say a lot of the movie you're questioning because you know that she's not actually talking to her dead husband or, or herself, but you're, it kind of plays with the idea of reality and what's in your mind or not. And that's kind of what separates this movie from just any other movie where someone might be trapped in a place. This movie actually goes inside the person's psycho- psychological issues and um, kind of explores what's real and what's not real. Um, it's one of those things where I can't really talk too much further about it because I don't really want to talk about spoilers, but um, I thought the movie was very interesting and took some real solid risks. Like, they made some bold choices that I thought were really fascinating. The ending really bummed me out. The ending did exactly what I don't like, and that's over-explain things. Like, I'd rather have things left a mystery and live in more fear i guess <laughs> like i'd rather have be more nihilistic and maybe more like uh you know more imaginative but the movie went out of its way to explain everything and that kind of bummed me out i think there's like a there's like a really big bold line in narrative like just any any sort of storytelling it seems like where and it seems to be split right down the middle i find just as many people that want to be explained everything as i find people that want to have things left in the dark and like left it up to your mind so it's kind of just just you bringing that up because i've I've heard a lot of praise about the ending also Mm. um but it's just kind of interesting that's you know i think i'm more like you i prefer like if you're just gonna reveal everything like the whole magic trick at the end like that's usually that's less exciting than if i'm left in the dark trying to figure out like what just happened or how it happened and stuff yeah and um i don't know i I was just thinking about like narratively i've heard that and i think that echoes a lot in like a lot of tv shows and stuff and and movies so it could just be like a matter of taste yeah it could be or just a matter of skill in the way you present it to the viewer. I mean, like you could do it subtly throughout the movie and give the person just enough to piece together as opposed to, you know, have someone monologuing for three minutes at the end going step by step on what you need to know. Um, there's creative ways to do it right and there's ways to do it wrong for sure. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so moving on, uh, another movie that's on Netflix is called the the transfiguration it's definitely a low budget indie movie plot summary when troubled team milo who has a fascination with vampire lore 
meets the equally alienated Sophie. The two form a bond that begins to blur Milo's fantasy into reality. This movie is basically a vampire movie, very aware of other vampire movies and vampire mythology and lore. And it makes you question whether or not the characters are actually vampires. Uh, I thought there was a lot to take away from this movie that was totally worthwhile. Um, Brandon, you disagreed. (laughs) Yeah, uh, not so much. I didn't enjoy this film kind of at all. I... There are some interesting concepts. You just mentioned it, a vampire movie about some people who may or may not be vampires um, was actually really cool. And I loved the scenes that um, explored that mystery and the way they concluded it. Um, Speaking of Gerald's game's ending, they kind of did the exact opposite of Gerald's game and left a very open-ended and left you thinking about all the different times they had hinted at who the main character actually was. Um, so I did like that aspect of the movie, but I thought the movie was a little bit too slow and meandering and maybe could have worked better as a short film. Yeah. I mean, I said I said almost the exact same thing when, when I finished watching it. I was like, yeah, I got kind of bored in the middle a little bit, but the ending really got me i think it's worthwhile to check out it's pretty short it's only 90 minutes but yeah uh we have mixed opinions about it here the final movie i want to bring up for you guys is called um it's called berlin syndrome it's on netflix um reading the plot plot summary for you a passionate holiday romance leads to an obsessive relationship when an Australian phone journalist wakes up one morning in a Berlin apartment and is unable to leave. This movie, to me, is very scary and extremely worthwhile. It's not supernatural at all. It's just about this girl who's traveling around Europe. She goes to Berlin. She meets a handsome, charismatic gentleman. They She goes to his house. She hangs out with him. It starts out consensual, and it quickly becomes kidnapping like it gets to a point where she cannot leave the apartment what works about it is that you believe every single thing that the characters decide to do like this girl is trying to escape and every single choice she makes makes sense and you're right there with her through all of it it's a very confusing and frustrating situation but um she tries her best and you're right there with her. Yeah. I love horror movies like that where despite the characters always making the best decision for them, um, it still continues to not work out. Like makes me think of don't breathe or, um, green room. It's like, you're actually watching people struggle for their life, but in actual realistic smart ways, even though it doesn't necessarily work. There's too many horror movies of people being stupid, and it's too frustrating. I like it, um, when the opposite's happening. Yeah, I feel like that's like a classic trope from like the '80s, where you know the the slasher Freddy or Michael Myers is coming after you, and you're you're dumb, and you're you know you're getting killed. But it's much more interesting when the characters are either you know fighting back or being psychologically intelligent, where Maybe maybe they're not gaining out, 
but you're totally with them and you see the process that they're going through. Yeah, totally. Um, this movie works on all of those levels. It definitely got me in the ways that like, I don't know. I, I watched it with Shen and like, she has, she's been, she's been a real sport this month. I've been watching a lot of horror movies. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing the horror movie challenge this month again, and she's been a real sport because she's not super into him, but she's liking him more and more. This one, man, it had some moments where, like, both of us were just shouting at the TV, you know, like, run, go, 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 oh my god, just shouting. And after, you know, after the moment's over, you know, she's, she's going, this isn't fun. Why are we doing this? My stomach hurts. I'm stressed out. <laughs> this isn't good. I don't like this feeling. And I'm literally like rolling around the bed because I'm like, you know, we just went through this crazy like moment. I'm rolling around the bed going, I don't know, but at least we're n- we know we're not actually in danger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you t- you totally convinced me. This is going on my Tuesday night Halloween list, Nick. I'm gonna turn this on after work when I get home, for sure. If you could recommend three, just like not we're not talking about like not 2017, but just like three horror movies, real quick that you think anyone listening should watch. What would it be? Are you asking me what my like top three? It doesn't are? have to be top three, but like the three you're most quickly to recommend someone. I mean, I think The Shining is uh, my. I think it's the best horror movie. It's my favorite. It like has the slasher stuff going on, but it also has like deep psychological stuff. And Stanley Kubrick is just a master. Yeah. Um. I think there's there's so many different ones. I <laughs> I, I I just put together a top fifty. Oh wow! And uh, I have it on Letterboxd. Yeah. Um, you could check it out. I mean, I think I have The Exorcist at number two. Um, a lot of that's part of like how classic that movie is, and just the Captain Smarty Pants like real one second clip like really scares me. But like some people argue that The Exorcism of Emily Rose is like just as scary, if Wait, not scarier. Captain Smarty Pants. <laughs> Did I is that what you just? What, what, what's his Captain name? Howdy. <laughs> Captain Howdy, whatever. Captain Smarty Pants. <laughs> All right, that was great. That was so good. <laughs> That's actually a little bit scarier, I think. Captain Smarty Pants. <laughs> yeah, Smarty Pants. <laughs> well, what about you? Like, I what's the first ones that come to your mind? The first one I always, especially you guys, because I don't think either of you guys have still yet to watch it, is The Innkeepers. Okay. I always tell people to watch the innkeepers. I've, I've, you know, we've, I've had multiple <laughs> people this month recommend that movie to me, and yeah. I actually forgot to tell you, I, I watched the first fifteen minutes of oh, it yeah. earlier this week, <laughs> and then I fell asleep. Aww. And then I woke up and it said epilogue, and I was like, oh man, <laughs> I missed the movie. But I, I, I really, I, I want to watch it. I'm very close to watching it. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of the movies that really just bought me into horror really quick. Like, mm-hmm. it just hits all the checkpoints for me i i think everyone should give like an eli roth movie a good a chance like uh cabin fever or hostel yeah. or something yeah i think i know we've like gushed over him on our uh horror movie month podcast back in the day but uh those are our, re- always really well done 
and they're not for everyone because they're super gruesome yeah but like the characters and the world building that those movies make yeah. are amazing yeah um I mean, M. Night Shyamalan is classic for us. Yeah. Like, Signs, Six Sense. Um, I'm super into The Ring. I, I rewatched that again this year. I, I like, kind of watch that every October. I yeah. love The Ring. That's That was kind of the Kickstarter for me with horror movies. Yeah. A really fun, uh, easy one to watch, that, like, especially for people that aren't like really into horror, is I love the remake of Fright Night. I love the old Fright Night, too, but I actually like the newer one more. Oh. And uh, I've I've seen that I watch that's one that I watch almost every year. It's okay. just it's like it's really fun and it's not super scary. It's just like a it's a blast. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Brandon? Um, well, you guys touched upon a few of them, but I think my very first horror movie love and one that I can still close my eyes and psych myself like out about actually visualizing the creature is the film the mothman prophecies oh my gosh oh I yeah you're going to say that yeah yeah mothman for sure <laughs> that was like one of my very first horror movie loves that terrified me for years yeah no mothman the thing about the mothman is that he's not actually like trying to hurt anybody but he's so scary yeah <laughs> he's so tall and red eyes and the way he gets described in that movie over and over again oh is scary gosh. as what? fuck what's his name on like the doesn't he have like a indrid cold indrid cold <laughs> yeah yeah the movie's great oh and you hear his voice too oh yeah. my god it's coming back to me oh. <laughs> yeah in terms of like um like modern like modern classics that have come out recently you mentioned earlier green room i think green room is like fantastic we talked about that uh our, our last year's episode end yeah. of the year episode and um it follows is another one that i think is like really creepy and it's got like that 80s kind of vibe and you know it has like echoes of you know like uh, like warnings about stds and stuff <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i don't know i uh, love that movie. goodbye so, mommy oh my gosh i haven't good seen night that. mommy i haven't seen that. oh good night mommy yeah sorry yeah, good night mommy is so scary is that the one with the mom that has like the face all covered up and the two yeah. kids don't know if it's really her or not yep okay i haven't exactly. seen that yet but... even like 10 cloverfield lane is like it's kind of a thriller but it's kind of a horror movie too like um i mean they're trapped and you don't know what's happening yeah um, i think that movie too. the babadook um oh, yeah. the witch oh yeah the witch there's a lot of really good recent horror movies these last three years yeah, yeah. for sure I just watched the original Frankenstein for the first time this year and loved it. Was it scary? How long is it? It's like 60 minutes. It's pretty <laughs> short. But like, <laughs> yeah, it's 71 minutes. <laughs> but like the visuals of it are so classic. And like they really, like the monster is just, he's so confused and like relatable and yet so terrifying. Like, it's one of those movies that maybe, like, I, I don't think I've seen until this year, but watching it, it was like I'd seen it before because it's been, like... It influenced, like, so many movies. Exactly. It's been, like, parodied over yeah. the years. And so it's, like, I've seen all these visuals before, but, like, the drama of it and the fear of it and the makeup was so good that I, know, I was blown away. I, like, really loved Frankenstein. I think that's part of... That's, like, one of the most attractive things about the genre. It's, like, you can literally... You can make up every aspect of the movie 
can be like something that no one's ever heard of and you can make it like a, a horror movie that works like it should yeah. be like the most <laughs> i don't know there's I'm... like no limit on creativity because there's no like realm of reality that you're working in or anything it's just yeah. like completely whatever you want you can just be. make up whatever yeah um real quick i will say um it's not necessarily a movie but the scariest thing filmed that i've seen this year in 2017 was the last five seconds of uh season three of twin peaks the return when when that moment hit i was by myself it was like almost midnight and like i got so many chills up and down my spine and i just gasped in as the credits rolled and like i haven't felt that way in a long time I, uh, it, it was kind of perfect. It was also very unsettling and also kind of anticlimactic. But <laughs> um, there's a lot to unpack with it. I, I can't wait to watch it season three again. That's a big tangent, but scary moment for me this year. Definitely. Well, great. Um, I think with that, we should just say goodbye. Um, uh, Derek, uh, where can we find you online? Uh, Twitter at Chicken Tech, Letterboxd at Chicken Tech. Brandon, what about you? I'm mostly on Instagram, uh, Brandon underscore Bulby, and also on Letterboxd. Um, you can find me B E B, that's Beb. Cool. Um, I'm Nick Moffa. You can find me on Twitter at Moffman23. Um, same thing on Letterboxd, Moffman23, or just my name, Nick Moffat. So, um, thanks for listening. I hope that you watch some horror movies and get some good scares. Have a nice night and happy Halloween. Bye. Bye.